of Hope is dedicated to making a difference in the lives of people with cancer, diabetes, and other serious illnesses with a mission of transforming the future of healthcare by turning science into a practical benefit. Hope into reality. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. Every day, City of Hope's team of physicians and researchers aggressively study the science behind childhood cancers and provide comprehensive, family-centered care for children with cancer and blood disorders. My guest today is Dr. Clark Anderson. He's an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Pediatrics, specializing in pediatric hematology oncology at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Anderson. So tell us how common is cancer in children. It seems to be every parent's biggest worry, leukemia, brain tumors, any of these things. How common is it really? All right, well, first of all, thank you, Melanie, for having me. Uh, uh, pediatric cancer is actually really rare. Uh, I don't think people realize how rare it is. Uh, it's really only about 1 in 10,000 children will develop cancer. And if you compare that to adults, uh, for example, with breast cancer, there's over 250,000 women a year uh, that are, are diagnosed. Uh, whereas uh, I'm a specialist in a disease called neuroblastoma, which is a nerve tumor uh, near the kidney, and uh, uh, only about 800 children uh, a year are diagnosed in the United States. So that just shows you the difference of how rare uh, the pediatric cancers are. Which cancers tend to affect children the most, and what's, what are some causes that you can you know, think of, maybe even risk factors? So the, 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 the number one cancer in children is uh, more often than not leukemia. Uh, it's uh, usually the one that's diagnosed between the ages of 2 uh, and 10 yeah, years of age. But uh, brain tumors are also quite uh, uh, common uh, as a pediatric tumor. The risk factors, uh, there's, you know, I get asked that all the time. Uh, when I first see a family, uh, they ask me, you know, why did this happen uh, to, to my child? Uh, and I think all of us are, are brought up thinking that there has to be a cause and effect for cancer. So you smoke uh, for many, many years, you develop lung cancer. Well, that does not appear to be the case I, uh, for children. Uh, there is uh, uh, probably different factors, different biology uh, that leads to cancer in children. And uh, uh, some children, uh, it's uh, that they were born with already in a, a tendency to have the cancer. I'll use a classic example. is an eye cancer called retinoblastoma. Uh, this is where your body is born uh, without a gene uh, that helps protect uh, against uh, 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 mutations in your DNA. And so uh, by the second year of life, many times these children uh, will have cancer in the eye just because of exposure to ultraviolet light, uh, those kind of things. So that's a risk. Uh, but in general, there's no known risks for the majority of pediatric cancers. As we're talking about pediatric cancers, Dr. Anderson, you know, we want to give hope to parents. However, this is a very scary topic and can be a very depressing topic. We talk about all kinds of cancers on this show, but this one in particular seems to really hit a nerve for parents, you know, for anybody with children or loved ones. So tell us a little bit about childhood cancers and, and should we be so concerned and worried all the time about our children? Well, clearly, it's a huge fear. I think every parent's fear is that their child uh, will develop cancer. But as an oncologist, uh, I can, I've seen a lot over uh, my 25 years of practice. Uh, uh, many of the cancers, including I'll use neuroblastoma as the example, uh, had maybe a 20% survival when I started. Uh, now, the survival is, is close to 70% uh, of beating and being cured of the cancer. Uh, uh, and so that gives me a lot of hope, gives me a lot of optimism when I first see a family. 
Now, even though that's optimistic and hopeful, that still means that we're not successful with all kids. Uh, but uh, regardless, uh, it, uh, the statistics are, are, are so much better. And so I, I always have hope when I first see a family. If parents have a child with cancer, should they have their other children tested? Are there certain genetic predispositions that would lend themselves to run in families? That's an excellent, excellent question. In general, no. Uh, the, the risk for other children uh, is very, very, very small. Uh, there are a few genetic uh, conditions uh, where uh, they may have a, an abnormal gene or something like that. But in general, it's, uh, it happens sporadically, and the other uh, children are not at risk. Is there anything, Dr. Anderson, that parents can do to prevent some of these cancers? I mean, obviously, with adult cancers, we know there are certain behavioral modifications that we can make, but what about with children? Is there anything we can do? Uh, well, since there's really, uh, in many cases, uh, no known causes, it is actually quite hard uh, to consider prevention. However, uh, there are probably some lifestyle choices that, that can be uh, looked into. Uh, for example, uh, obesity. Definitely in adults, obesity is a potential risk factor for development of cancer. And uh, for children, it's not as clear if that's the case, but definitely in children, uh, we have seen that uh, if uh, they are diagnosed with cancer and they are obese, they don't do as well with chemotherapy. Uh, they uh, uh, potentially have a higher relapse rate, uh, and it probably has to do uh, with the change in uh, how they deal with the drugs uh, when they're also obese. The, uh, the other risk factor that, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a risk factor, but something that should be, uh, can, uh, I think, looked at over the next few years is a vitamin D deficiency. You'd be surprised uh, how many times we check our patients' uh, vitamin D levels and they're essentially zero. And that probably wasn't the case 30 years ago. Uh, and my best guess is it's our lifestyle. Uh, I, I, uh, we uh, sit indoors, we are on our cell phones, on the computer, we wear long sleeve shirts, we wear sunscreen. Uh, and so we're not getting the vitamin D that we naturally would make through our skin. And so uh, vitamin D is such an important uh, uh, vitamin. And it, uh, not, not only does it help our bones to, uh, to, to become stronger uh, and, and less brittle when we get older, but it also can contribute to cancer and also arthritis. I understand, Dr. Anderson, that there are many different types of cancers with many different types of symptoms. But if parents are you know, overly concerned, keeping an eye on their kids all the time, looking for things. We've heard with leukemia, you look for bruising. So I know every parent looks over their child when they're little for these bruises that don't go away. Give us some red flags that you, as a doctor, would say, you know what, keep your eyes out for these kinds of things, and that's when you really need to see a doctor. Well, the symptoms of cancer, whether it's leukemia or other types of cancer, uh, are Generic symptoms, things like fever, uh, being tired, uh, pain uh, in, in, in a certain area, um, uh, sweating, any of those things, uh, bruises. I think the best rule of thumb is things that don't go away, uh, uh, bruising that lasts for several days that you can't explain, uh, fevers uh, that uh, uh, just are not explainable. Uh, you've not had an exposure, no one else has been sick, uh, something that just does not get better over a period of time. I'll use an example for teenagers. Bone cancer is very uh, common in teenagers uh, during their growth uh, spurts. Uh, so pain. You, know, you can have one or two days of pain, and that's probably something that's not cancerous and something that uh, not to really worry too much about. But pain that lasts several days, several weeks, uh, exactly in the same place, probably needs to have medical attention. So I think if any advice I'd give parents is not to worry uh, for the symptom itself, uh, but 
Uh, is, is, is it persistent? Is it just not getting better and you can't explain it? Well, if parents are asking you advice, they're cornering you somewhere and asking you for your best advice on pediatric cancers, what do you tell them? What is your best advice? And why should they consider coming to City of Hope for their care? That's kind of a two-part question. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, uh, I think the, 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 my first advice, I'm, I'm going to actually answer it more like uh, a, patient is di- a child is diagnosed with cancer, and uh, what advice would I give parents? I think that's how I would answer it. Uh, first of all, uh, when, you're, when your child is diagnosed with cancer, it's a very, very scary period of time. Uh, a lot of anxiety. Uh, everyone is trying to give you advice. Uh, and so uh, my probably biggest point I tell most new families is that uh, don't look at the Internet for at least the first two weeks. Uh, it's a big, scary place if you uh, uh, search uh, the, the, the name of your child's uh, uh, cancer. You're going to see a lot of really bad, scary things that may not apply to your child. So wait a couple weeks, uh, get more information, and then I tell the families the Internet fa- is a completely uh, a fair game. That, that There's no website that I'm afraid of. But, you know, have some time, get some answers. And the other thing is people are going to, uh, outside the medical community, are going to tell them a lot of advice. It's like, you know, have this particular diet, do this particular thing. And all of that may be good and well, right? But uh, take some time. Uh, learn about your child's disease and then make your own informed decision. Uh, the second part of your question uh, was, uh, why should someone come to City of Hope? Uh, and uh, uh, our environment is, uh, I think, clearly, has, in my mind, has set the standard uh, for family-centered care. Uh, when I first came here 10 years ago, and when I first came to City of Hope 10 years ago, uh, one thing that impressed me the most was uh, how involved uh, all of the, the, the subspecialties besides medicine and nursing, meaning the child life specialists who have master's degrees uh, and help educate the children to very scary uh, procedures, those kind of things. They do a wonderful job with that. The psychologists, the social workers, it was a very, very close team approach that I think really helps the families in very difficult times. The other thing about City of Hope is uh, something that I'm quite excited about over the next uh, uh, few years. Dr. Karen Abudi, she is uh, one of the research uh, scientists here at City of Hope, and she is uh, working uh, very hard on developing a technique uh, that uses nerve stem cells that, uh, uh, when injected, will go directly to uh, the the tumor, and in this case, neuroblastoma, which is a nerve tumor uh, near the kidneys, and uh, uh, make it possible for chemotherapy to work 80 times uh, 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 better. It basically increases the concentration of the chemotherapy 80 times uh, right where it needs to be, where the tumor is. And as a smart target, it goes exactly where it's supposed to go. Uh, Hopefully, this will limit uh, toxicities to liver, lung, other parts of the body. This is still in development, uh, um, and uh, uh, the first child will probably be treated no earlier than 2017. But I use this as an example of some of the amazing stuff uh, that we do here at City of Hope. Thank you so much, Dr. Anderson. It's absolutely fascinating, and you're giving hope to so many parents worldwide. You're listening to City of Hope Radio. For more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.